Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Father, we give praise and glory. We give thanks right now for the word of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, that today, once again, as the word of God comes forth, people have an ear to hear, a heart to receive. And again, hallelujah, open the eyes of our understanding. We want to leave this place different than when we came. Praise God. So I thank you, Lord God, that we'll see things different. Amen. See things as you see things. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. We kind of do have to do that all, not just because we should pray, but because we're video stuff, video work, to try to remember all this stuff. And I don't necessarily remember it all. So, but anyway, praise God. This here represents our life. God is a wheel within a wheel. How many know that every part of your life worketh? When God is the core. Whoop, it's spun. That was a horrible prop. Hallelujah. Well, it almost worked. There we go. Now it works. How many know life works when God's in the middle? Amen. When God isn't falling on the floor, everything works, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 12, please. Praise God. I'm going to really do some recap of some things we talked about last week, and then I'm going to turn this over. I'm going to have my wife take over, praise God. She's got some great things. Hallelujah. Things she shared in first service were awesome. Praise God. Mark chapter 12, praise God. Says this in verse 28, says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, he, uh, he asked Jesus, okay, which is the first commandment of all, or the foremost commandment? And Jesus answered him, the first or the foremost of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But how many know it's a little hard to love your neighbor if you're not loving God? How many know that to be true, right? Come on, it's a little tough. Amen. So the, the, what, what works is loving God with all. Amen. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. In fact, one, translate, or one of the uh, gospels says uh, that all the law and the commandments hang on these, uh, or pardon, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Verse 34, and when he, Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. Now, the point uh, we've been talking about last week is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Uh, you know, beginning of the year, the Spirit of God uh, told me that this year we're going to focus on our Sunday services. We're going to focus on the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every year we kind of get some clarity about what we need to do, and that's what we felt in our heart. So we've been focusing primarily on the Father as of right now, praise God, working on uh, our relationship with the Father. What does that mean? And we've been talking the last couple weeks talking about loving God. What does it mean to love God? Amen. In fact, the verse uh, there, verse uh, 30 in here, when it talks about, uh, yeah, thir verse 30, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen. That word love there is agapeo, which means a committed love, to be committed toward things. How many know uh, that commitment is necessary? Amen. 
A lot of people might say or verbalize they, you know, they agree with the fact that we're supposed to love God with all. But how many know it isn't about what you agree with, it's about what you walk out? Now, agreement's necessary. you got to have that. But you also got to be willing to walk it out. Amen. No diet, no success plan, no marriage, no relationship, not even your walk in God. None of it works right unless there's commitment. Am I right? Come on now. I mean, no business plan works unless you work the business plan. Stay committed to it. Amen. No uh, success formula works unless you're willing to work the formula. Praise God. Are you still with me? Come on now. No, no diet works. Come on now. Unless you're committed to it. You know, I brought out earlier, you know, that, uh, you know, secondhand stores are full of exercise equipment. Yeah, don't, I, I would recommend never go buy new. Just go to the secondhand stores. They're all over there. Yeah, they're pretty much new there, right? Amen. Somebody says, well, how come they have so much of that? Because everybody bought that with the intention. They agreed with the fact that I need to work out more. I need to exercise. Amen. But if you're not committed to it, your piece of equipment there just became, uh, you know, part of your laundry uh, where you hang all your dirty laundry. Until you got tired of working around it, and then you haul it off to the secondhand store. Come on now. Everything works. Now, how about marriage? Marriage doesn't work unless there's commitment. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Amen. Marriage works when you have commitment. Amen. Any kind of relationship that's going to be worth anything has got to have some kind of commitment in it. Amen. And the same thing with your walk in God. The only way there's going to be true, uh, you know, success in that walk is having some commitment. Praise God. Having, you know, a commitment toward God. Now, the verse prior to that, he talks about the command. Use the word commandment. Now, this word commandment, it means a precept or an injunction, but it means an authoritative prescription. So when he's talking about a commandment, it's not just about giving you another do or another don't. It's about giving you what works. It's really the remedy or the formula that works. And that's why he said, if you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, amen, this is what works. Amen. And to love others as yourself, guess what? This is what works. It's what works. And if we will do this thing right, this whole thing works. Praise God. Amen. Now, again, this here representing our life. And there's this, this wheel here only had uh, 12 spokes. So we only we just grabbed 12 maybe major topics maybe in our life. And how many know that that's not probably even a, a, a drop in the bucket with everything that goes on in our life? Amen. So if we had, you know, multiple wheels up here, we could spin them all and it all be all the kind of different things going on. But we just grabbed a dozen things here to look at just for sake of, uh, you know, example. Praise God. Now, in uh, Luke's account, Luke 10, put that verse up there, verse 28. It says this. This is the same text, but this is how Luke uh, heard the end of it. Jesus said this to the gentleman there that was asking him the question. He said that you answered rightly. Do this and you will live. In other words, life's going to work if you do this. So you can say all day long we're supposed to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others. But if we're not willing to do this, life ain't going to work right. Everything gets, you know, gets a, you know, a lot of issues and problems. Uh, let's put the Amplified up there, praise God. Amplified says it this way in that verse 28, and Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly, do this, and you will, enjoy, you will live, pardon me, enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Now, how many know that sounds good? Yeah. I like the tail end of that verse, don't you? Yeah. I like, you know, knowing that, you, you know, we're going to live, we're going to enjoy an active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Amen. But what's connected to that is being willing to walk this out. Amen. Not just say we agree with it, 
Amen. Because as good, good blue ribbon sheep, you're going to agree, amen, with the fact that we should love God. Probably get a little bit more response out of that one. You just know you're supposed to love God. There you go. All right. Praise God. But how many know we can all say it, but not necessarily walk it? And so last week, I took the time to define what it means to love God with all the heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind, and love God with all your strength. And if you recall, for those that were here last week, we had four different chairs up here, and each one represented one of them because to love God with all your heart, the word literally is cardio, which means the core, the center, okay? It's where we get our word cardio, okay, which means, you know, uh, you, know, the, you know, anyway, cardio. But anyway, the bottom line is this. It means the seat of control because it's referring to the will of man, the decision-making, and even involves the character of man. In, so if he says to love God with all your, uh, your heart, he's talking about with all your will, with all your core. Your decision-making, everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all comes out of the heart of man. Jesus made that clear. The prophet made that clear. Amen. Uh, Solomon made that clear in the book of Proverbs. Amen. That everything comes out of the heart of man. Okay, now you can determine what comes out of the heart of man based on what you feed on it. Of course, we took a little time with that. But the bottom line is it means the seat of control. The idea is to get God in the seat, not you. When we're in the seat, guess what? It ain't about his will. It's about our will. It's about what we want. Jesus was real clear. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Well, why is that? Well, because he had the Father sitting in the seat. So everything that the Father had asked him to do or leading him along the way, praise God, he was willing to do it because it wasn't about his will. It was about the Father's will, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? So we talked about letting God be crowned king, so to speak, in that seat, praise God. The next one was the soul, to love God with all the soul. What does that mean? Well, the word refers to the desires. It, uh, it word involves like things like the emotions, the, the feelings. Uh, you know. Uh, so bottom line is just talking about what lights your fire. What is it that, that, that drives you, uh, moves you forward? See, a lot of people have, have desires that, that that's what lights their fire. You know, I brought an illustration last week. I enjoy riding motorcycles. Okay, I enjoy that. Okay, I enjoy that. Now, I don't get a lot of time to do it, especially on days like today. But anyway, the point is I do enjoy that. Amen. But it's just a desire. It is something that, that God has given me and blessed me with. Praise God. Nothing wrong with desires. In fact, most of the time, the desires you have in your life are things that God has placed there. But what God wants to do is be in control. If you love God with all your soul then what happens, he has, he has a place there. And if we will delight ourselves in him, if we will honor him and love him with all our heart, amen, with all our soul, then that means that, praise God, he brings the desires to pass in your life. But you got to be willing to let him sit in that seat. Otherwise, you're out here straining and struggling all the time to try to bring you know, whatever it is that lights your fire. And it gets off base. Of course, I spent a little more time on that last week. But anyway, that's a, now then the next one is what? Love God with all your mind. Well, uh, reasonings, uh, thoughts, imaginations. That's what that word involves, praise God. And that's when, uh, you know, you'll find out where you're at with that when the Spirit of God begins to talk to you about what thoughts you're going to cast down, what you're going to hang on to. Now, how many know we should, the word says, take every thought captive? Does anybody know why it says take every thought captive? Because you can. Now, sometimes, you know, if we're in the seat, we don't really care. This is what I'm thinking right now. I don't care what anybody else thinks. But if God is in that seat, see, when he begins to talk to you about, you know what, it'd be good to let that go. Cast that down. 
Don't give heed to that. Come on, somebody. You're willing to follow that. But if you're not willing to follow that, then my guess is it's probably be a good thing for you to get out of that seat. Because sometimes the thought process, just like the other areas, that could be what's messing this thing up. See, if we're sitting in the seat, then what happens is we complicate life. God has a way to make things work right. If you'll yield and submit yourself to that, things will work right. Amen. And especially in the area of what you're thinking on and meditating on. In fact, the word is real clear in Romans 8. It brings that, that, that it's enmity against God. When your thoughts are running on all this natural carnal stuff, the word says it, it wars with God. God's trying to lead you, guide you, and direct you, and you're too busy fighting with him just because of what you want to think about. That was a tender one today. Huh. Well, we'll move on to the fourth one. Amen. Love God with all your strength. What does that mean? Well, it's the seat of one's own ability. So you have the seat of control, the seat of the desires, the seat of reasoning. Come on. And the seat of one's own, uh, one's own ability. Praise God. And what happens with that a lot of times in life, uh, especially as Christians, if we don't watch it, we're trying to fulfill everything. Even though there's uh, things that we should do and a way to walk and a way to conduct life, we have a tendency sometimes if we're not leaning in God, loving on God, praise God, connected with God, we're too busy trying to fulfill it all in our own strength. That's dangerous because you spend half the time doing everything in your own strength and the rest of the time beating yourself up with condemnation, guilt, and shame because you're doing it wrong. That's a fact. But when you're loving on God and moving into God, God walks you through this thing. You're, you're going to avoid all the condemnation, the guilt, and the shame. Come on, somebody. That's a good thing. Come on now. All right, put up with me. Uh, uh, put, put up with me. That sounds good. Somebody say, I've been doing that for a lot of years, Pastor. All right. Put uh, Romans 8, verse 28. How many know this verse? And we know that all things work together for good. Well, a lot of people just quote that about as much as they quote. But how many know not everything's working together for good? We'll say, well, I'm a child of God. Everything works together for good. No, it says it works together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So what does that mean? The word love here is the same word we've been talking about, uh, committed love. And the verses prior to this talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And then it's talking about loving God and those called according to his purpose. The idea is this. God is always trying to lead us, guide us, and direct us. But if we're not going to love him enough, be committed enough to this, to let him lead us, not everything's going to work out together for good. Because the whole thing in context is about being submitted to him, loving him, yielded to him, committed, amen, to him. Praise God that no matter how he leads, guides, directs in any area of our life, amen, if we will let him be king, let him be boss, come on, somebody, let him be God, come on, somebody, then things will work right. Even though there might be a bad situation happening at the moment, if we will just submit ourselves to him, let him walk you through it, Life begins to work better, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Praise God, praise God, praise God. I want to say this before I uh, let Trudy come on up here. Actually, you can now. And I uh, just want to say this about commitment. How many know commitment is a risk? When Trudy came and begged me to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of 
down the other way, actually. I think I wrote you a letter while you were in jail. (laughs) You notice they all laugh. Yeah, because they know that's the truth. Yeah, right, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, commitment, come on, is a risk. That particular case, it was more on her part than mine. But anyway, commitment is a risk. Amen. And if you think about it, commitment makes us vulnerable. No matter what we're talking about, come on now, it's a risk. But anything worth, come on, amen, anything that's personal, a commitment and personal and a risk to step forward, guess what? It's worth it if you'll just follow through with it. Amen. 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 And uh, so I think uh, maybe I'll just let you take it from there. Does that work? That's great. I think like it just kind of blew up. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Hallelujah. It's a risk, but it's well worth it. Amen? Mark chapter 10, we're going to start reading in verse 17. We're talking about loving God with all. And this is a story. Jesus says this. Now he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. How'd you like Jesus to come to you and say, there's only one thing you're short on? I'd love that. Because most mornings I wake up and can number. Okay? One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I want you to know that this this commandment of go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor is also quoted in Luke chapter 12. And it's quoted in the area when Jesus is talking about how to seek first the kingdom of God. So what Jesus was asking this rich young ruler to do was to seek him and follow him. Do what the kingdom of God needs you to do right now. But this rich young ruler was sad at this and went away not being able to do it. And there was one thing that Jesus said he was lacking that he wasn't able to do it. And I want to set before you today, this one thing that was lacking was this rich young ruler did not have devotion and love toward Jesus enough that could push him over the hump of personal desires into what the kingdom of God needed. He was short the lack for Jesus' love. He didn't have that love going off in him. You know, um, we play a game sometimes in our house, and it's called Would You Rather. Has anybody ever heard of that game, Would You Rather? And it's silly things. Would you rather do this or this? You know, it's silly things like, would you rather have no pinky fingers or have an itch you can never scratch? 
Or, you know, would you like to have only one eardrum or the fanciest car there is? You know, it's silly things like that. And when I read this story, that's the thing I thought of. Because where he's at is Jesus is saying, would you rather keep all your stuff or would you rather follow me? It's a would you rather moment here. What would you rather do? Would you rather keep all your possessions or would you rather follow me? Would you rather have everything that you're in charge of your life working or would you rather have me working at everything in your life? It's a would you rather moment. And we, we know that he probably didn't choose the right would you rather thing. But yet, it showed where his heart was at. It showed where he was at. Um, Jesus asked him to do something, and he couldn't do it because the love for Jesus was not magnified enough in him to push him over the top beyond personal desire into just love for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You know, and sometimes we think, well, you know, Why did he choose the wrong thing? But there's always would you rather moments in our life to validate our love for God. You know, would you rather do this or this? Would you rather pay your tithes or go out to eat dinner? Come on. There's would you rather moments in our life. Would you rather go on a vacation or go on to a believer's convention? See, there's would you rathers. Would you rather spend time with your family or go to church? See, there's would you rather moments. Would you rather watch the football game or go to church? See, there's would you rather moments. But what we have to understand is God is taking note of all these would you rather moments as evidence and validation of how much we love him. Would we rather? And we would like to be able to say, I want both. I want both. I want you to know this. There is the potential for both, but it's only when you choose God first. There is the potential for both. Jesus did not think in his head, I'm going to make this guy bankrupt and broke, and then he's going to love me. That wasn't his thought. He was thinking, if he will follow me, He will have satisfaction in all this stuff because right now this stuff is not answering everything of his heart or he wouldn't be looking for something to fill a void that he already has. There was something missing and Jesus is saying, you're missing something. If you'll follow me, you won't be missing anything and all of this stuff accumulation will now be kept in the guise of what God wants for you and you'll be able to enjoy what you have instead of what you have control who you are. Hallelujah. But the bottom line is he didn't love God enough to push him over the top to make the right decision. Hallelujah. So, in case that one scarred you and marred you too much, let's move on to somebody else in the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. We just have to know that when we love God, there's always evidence of it. For God so loved the world that he... See, there's always evidence of how much we love God. And always know this, that in the book of Revelation... One of the churches was reproved 
because they let go of their first love. They were in love with God. You remember the moment that everything on the inside of you changed. That before the moment Jesus came in there, you were destitute, you were broken, you were wounded, you were scarred, you were marred, you were hurting. And then Jesus came in there and everything was made whole and complete. You didn't know how to properly express what even happened on the inside of you. But all you know was, I love what happened. I love what happened. I love what happened. Something has happened. And Jesus says in the book of Revelation, don't let that go. Don't let that go. That first love, that first passion, that first stirring on you because you sensed the love of God and you loved him back for what happened. Don't ever, don't ever lose heart of that. Don't ever lose that in your life. Amen? So let's go over to um, Luke chapter 10. And this is a scripture passage we're probably all familiar with because Pastor Jerry's preached it a number of times to reprove his wife. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. He was just trying to get me in order. That's why he preaches it so many times. And I want you to know that I'm working on it, okay? That was in his Valentine's card today. I'm working on it, dear. Anyway. Verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, Trudy, Trudy, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, I want to draw some things out of this. First off, that both, of the, both Mary and Martha knew who Jesus was. They both knew who Jesus was, but they took up different postures when he was present. One was the posture of what I need to do. And the other one's posture is, what has he got for me? Okay? Meaning, what does he have to put into me that will change my life? One is occupied with the business, and the other is occupied with him. Mary is occupied with what needs to be done, I mean, excuse me, Martha is occupied with what needs to be done. Martha is occupied with government, the children, the work, the health, the future, the dreams, the marriage. And Mary is occupied with God. All right. And what we see is two different postures, two different mentalities. But Jesus says this about Mary. One thing is needed and she's chosen that one thing. Now, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, there's one thing you're lacking. But to Mary, he's saying, you've got the one thing that's necessary. 
And when we look at this, we see that what is necessary and needful is this attitude, this devotion, this commitment, or this love toward Jesus. Mary chose loving Jesus over serving Jesus. The rich young ruler chose his possessions over loving Jesus. So for us, it behooves us to understand that if we want these things to work in our life, the hub, the center, the core of our Christianity must be we love Jesus. Do you know how earnestly hungry the world is for a church of the living God that actually loves God? A church that cannot be bought out the church that can't be compromised, the church that cannot be quenched because pure and simply they love God and follow him and obey him and will not be stopped or altered. That's what the world is hungry for, a people that have so much love for God that it is their motive, it is their passion, it is their mission to display him to anyone without him. That is who the world is looking for, a people of God that love God, yeah. not just a people of God that serve God, because there is humanitarian effort out there that does the service work of the Lord. There is humanitarian effort out there that is feeding people in Angola, but they don't love God, so they aren't able to accompany it with the gospel message that will change a life. All they can do is feed a belly. So it's not just service works. It's about the service that comes out of loving him. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, if you, we were reading John 11, and we're not going to read the whole thing because of the time, but John 11 is where Mary and Martha's brother is raised from the dead. And if you read that passage of scripture, both Mary and Martha say the same thing to Jesus when he comes. And they say, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, they both say the same thing, but Martha confronts Jesus with that. And Mary falls down at his feet and worships and says that. Because loving God will always put you in a different posture position than just knowing God. Loving God always puts you in a different posture position than just serving God. Loving God puts you in this different position. And I want to look at Luke chapter 12. No, John chapter 12. Hallelujah. John chapter 12, and we get some more clarity about this. You know, at the tomb of Lazarus, when Jesus is raising um, him from the dead, Martha confronts him about this and talks to him, and then she has a hard time connecting when Jesus says he's going to live again. And when we're just serving God without loving God, we always put the breakthrough off to a future event. And Jesus said, no, Mary, Martha, I am the resurrection. This could happen right now. But because her heart was not in love where she embraced who he was, instead she just knew what he could do, she put it off for a future time. 
In fact, when um, Jesus said, let the stone come away, roll the stone away, Martha says, "Um, excuse me, he stinks. We don't want to do this today, Jesus. See, she couldn't see the happening that was going to happen because she didn't have a hold of Jesus with her heart of affection. Hallelujah. All right, so we look at John 12, verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha... Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. We have Martha serving again, okay? Martha is serving, and Mary Mary is so overwhelmed and overcome with her affection and her love for Jesus that she took, takes a vial of expensive perfumed oil and she gets down at the feet of Jesus and feet aren't clean then. He probably didn't have a shower that day. And he take, she takes that perfumed oil and she begins to pour it over his feet Then when it's over his feet, she takes her hair and begins to wipe off his feet. This is an extreme act of devotion. Would you not agree? An extreme act of love and devotion to the master. And she is willing to do this. And in the meantime, while she's doing this, Martha is serving. But she is operating and acting in a way of this devotion toward the master. Martha's busy. She knows who Jesus is. She's got a lot going on. But I want you to understand this. You can serve the Lord without loving him. But it's not possible for you to love him and not serve. Because when you're serving him without loving him, pretty soon you're frustrated. And you're wondering, why isn't everybody else serving him the way I'm serving him? You get frustrated. You get annoyed, worn out, beat up, etc., etc., etc. Right? Okay? When you're just serving him. But when you love him, this was an act of coming up out of Mary, and she pours this. I wouldn't even do that to my husband's feet, and I know he cleans them. You know, this is such an act of devotion that captured her. It it was a whole other, now you're all wondering, would my wife do that for me? Come on now, pay attention. Come on. You're all wondering, I wonder. Anyway, and I would, honey, if you requested it, because I'm working on this. Anyway. But this act of devotion, this passion literally drove Mary. She had to do something as an expression of how much she loved him. She had to do something. She couldn't hold back. She couldn't stop. She had to do something. And it was, it was a personal thing. It was her own hair. It was her perfume. And Martha's busy serving. Martha's busy doing, serving. Martha's busy living life. 
And Mary is stopped and arrested to love Jesus with all. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things that happened is Mary takes this very costly perfume. And note that it says the house is filled with the fragrance of the oil. What you do in service for the Lord affects everyone present. Everyone smelt that perfume. Everyone sensed that. When you're serving, it's only the ones that are recipients get it. But when you're loving and serving, it affects everyone that's there. Because this fragrant oil filled the house and they all smelt it. Because it was coming out of absolute love. Hallelujah. It's coming out of absolute love. She had a passion. Mary had a passion. Mary had a passion that Martha was lacking, that the rich young ruler was lacking. Now, note this. The rich young ruler did everything he was supposed to do. Martha served consistently. But they both missed the fact, your root foundation is loving him. The most important element of your Christian walk is, how much do I love God? Now, there is benefit surrounding God all the time, but never pursue the benefit without pursuing the benefactor. Never do that, because otherwise, then what will happen is you will sell out of loving him just to get a benefit, and who knows where that pursuit of that benefit is going to take you in this world. The world, it says you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. And that's exactly what was happening to the rich young ruler. He knew he was empty. He knew there was a void. But when you love God, it becomes your motivation for everything you do in life. Why do I come to church? Because the one I love says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Why do I do certain things? Because the one I love is telling me to do those things. Why am I forgiving of other people and not holding anybody at offense? Because the one I love says, don't be offended. And it becomes the driving force of everything in your life. Why do I pray? Because the one I love wants to connect with me. Why do I rejoice? Because the one I love said so. And it becomes the reason for my very existence is because I love God and anything he wants from me, anything he wants to do from me, any place he wants me to go, anything he wants me to expect and accomplish in life, it's all because I love him and he's got my life. And when it's like that, then all of this stuff is going to fully work. But it comes down to the primary purpose of loving God with all. Amen? You know, um, in the old covenant, we have two people. We have a Saul and a David. And um, which one you think ended up in the right place? David. But notice this. Saul cried out, God, honor me. And David cried out, how can I honor you, Lord? You see the difference? Saul cried out, honor me, honor me, honor me. Give me, give me, give me. And David cried out, how can I honor you? What can I do for you? What can I express to you? And one of them had a heart after God, it said. Was a man after God's own heart, and that was David. 
I want to look at last scripture here, and then we're done for today. Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse 4. A scripture we all love. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We have to understand that where our delight belongs is on the Lord. We don't delight on the desire. We delight in the Lord. And as we delight in the Lord, he gives us the desire of our heart. We can spend a thousand lifetimes in pursuit of desires. Or we can momentarily delight ourselves in the Lord and watch him unfold what only he can do. With one word, God can change the entirety of your life. Hallelujah. And it comes down to delighting ourselves in the Lord. Delighting ourselves in the Lord, where we give God what is due God. Amen. So we delight ourselves in the Lord, and He gives us the desires of our heart. Delight ourselves in the Lord. So the priority there is the Lord, not the desire. Amen. And when we delight ourselves in Him, He can give us not only what we could have done, but He'll give us things beyond our ability. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Because it's focusing on him that gives us those things. And we need to understand this. There is nothing more the enemy wants to do than steal love for God out of the church and the people of God. Nothing more he wants to do. And there is demonic forces that want to literally steal your affection for God. Because if you can steal your affection, you have no more push forward for maturity. You have no more upward look. You have no more of that. And God wants us to consistently receive the desires of our heart, but it comes from delighting in him. It comes from having an appetite for God. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, how much do I just love God? How much do I just love God? Would I rather... You know, we teach our kids how to serve. We teach our kids a lot of things. But you know the most important thing we could do is teach them to love God with all. To teach them to love God with all. Because if they love God with all, everything else will work itself out. Everything else will work itself out. So that when they face those, would you rather, they'll know the right thing to choose. Amen? Did you get something in the Word today? Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.